0: The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Cetera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satira Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Sotera Advisor Networks, LLC.
1: It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view call larry now studio lines are open at 855 rose 123 that's 855-767-3123
0: making money sense is on the air welcome once again to the larry rosenthal show and here he is in studio with us larry himself good morning
2: sir well good morning chris and how are you today Uh, i'm doing pretty well doing pretty well you're looking good yourself yeah, uh, live, yeah. And, live and live in broadcast color there on YouTube. Broadcast color, right on T on uh, the radio. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we, got ra- we have radio faces
3: today, but we're actually on YouTube, so you can see the face. So if, you're gonna, if you really want to see what's scary, go ahead and go to
0: YouTube. <laughs>
2: Yep, it, check it out, uh, LarryRosenthal.TV, simulcasting on YouTube, and soon to be simulcasting on Facebook as well. Oh, I not so, heard that.
0: Is that
4: true?
2: Yeah, oh, yeah we'll that. be doing some other things, too. We're rolling some stuff out. Well, awesome. good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. It is open mic Saturday, again, which means no questions barred whatsoever. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning, wealth management, taxes, insurance, 401Ks. The government, TSP, mortgage rates, whatever's on your mind today, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Well, in June of 2022, a little over a year ago, inflation peaked at 9.1%. It has since bottomed. It has come down to June of this year at 3%. And now, after August reading, which came in this week, it's back up to 3.7%. What does that mean? What's happening? Why? Okay. We have to understand the math behind this, where things are, and what does it, what does it mean with the Fed now? The Fed's going to be meeting next week, and right now there is about a 33% chance that the Fed's not going to raise rates um, um, uh, until later this year. There's about a 7% chance they say that they're going to raise next week. We'll wait and we'll see. We still have the unanswered question. We're very close to getting it answered, though, and that is the Fed pausing and then waiting four or five months to see exactly what inflation does. So let's break this down a little bit. Core inflation continued its decline, easing from down to 4.3 percent from 4.7 percent, which is good news, okay? One of the sticky pieces that we have, though, is gas prices. Gas prices are continuing to drive the cost of inflation. It's continuing to drive it, making it sticky. Domestic energy policies, okay, Maybe we should take a look at some of this stuff. Those are for other radio shows, okay? That's a whole political issue right there. But that's <laughs> not one of the political? culprits, exactly. That's <laughs> one of the yeah. That, now everybody's gonna call, right? <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the issues that's really going on there. So it's gonna take some time. Is what is what I'm basically saying, you know, as far as all that goes. Uh, but but you know the, the the big deal is it's all about the Fed still at this point. We'll wait and we'll see what they do next week. Uh, you know, the 10-year the note has been spiking. It closed up at three at 4.3% the other day, and that is a result of our uh, credit rating being downgraded from AAA to AA-plus in August. And when the 10-year note gets above 4, remember, everything's wrap, wrapped around the axle of the 10-year note, mortgages, student loans, college, uh, uh, um, car loans personal loans, credit card debt, whatever you buy on time, it's wrapped around that ten year note. When it gets close to four or above four, it really is tough. It tightens things down. It, it it slows down the velocity of money within the economy. You know, and so that's that's one of the big deals. But Congress is still at work, right? With just about one month left to go in its fiscal year. They've decided that they need to, you know, next year it looks like they're going to run into about a $1.52 trillion dollar deficit, okay, uh, which is up from $946 billion. So maybe we should slow down some of our spending. I don't believe that the U.S., that the U.S. Treasury Department has a revenue problem. I think we have more along the lines of a um, – spending problem when it comes to all of this our officials uh have an incentive to spend basically hey let's go ahead and go to michigan and bring bring josh on the line good morning josh how are you today
5: hey good morning how are you
2: sir i'm well how can i help you
5: uh well i was just driving home from uh the hardware store and i had you on the radio here I, I i just bought a house a few months ago i ended up selling my townhouse so i have a little bit of cash I'm sitting on right now, and I just don't know what to do with it. I'm kind of sitting here like, do I put it in the market, invest it, what, life insurance, what? And, yeah, I just kind of called to get some advice.
2: Absolutely. So, Josh, the, the, the first thing that we need to do is, is you know, I, 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 first of all, how old are you?
5: I'm 38.
2: Okay. So let's just go with some basics in financial planning first. <laughs> We want to make sure that you have enough money saved in the bank or in maybe today's rates, liquid T bills, that that can cover an emergency, you know, three, four, five months worth of, of living expenses saved up in in cash or cash equivalents. Then we want to start investing for toward retirement, okay? And maybe college funding if you're married, have kids, whatever the story is there. Um, the question becomes, do you want to just drop it all in the market today? Before I would tell you yes or no on anything like that, I want to take a look at your whole situation. I want to take a look at what yeah. your expenses are, your income, your tax scenario, your ability to save. Because just putting the money in the market today, yes, that's a good thing for long-term perspective. I believe the markets will be higher down the road than they are today. I just can't tell you when, right? Right so so at age 38 you've got time on your side without a doubt but more importantly what i'd like to see you be able to do is make sure that your monthly income and expenses afford you the opportunity to continue to save each month because that's the secret josh is continuing to put money away every month because you're acquiring more and more shares every single month and that's how you can create some wealth build some wealth because it's those shares that grow up in value that's really going to do some stuff for you. So I would say, yeah, let's put it in the market. But but what part of the market do you want to drop something into? Technology, healthcare, the S and P 500, a balance fund, bonds. There's all kinds of things out there. So what I'd like to do is send you out our financial planning toolkit, okay? And that'll help kind of address all of the things that I just talked about, and then that'll put us in position to tell you. Yeah, let's put some money in over here. Let's do this. Let's maybe pay off that bill over there, that type of a scenario, sort of break down a financial basics of a financial plan for you. In addition to that, take a look at where you're putting your retirement dollars, too. How much are you saving? Is Are things on a pre-tax basis, or are they on a post-tax Roth basis? So you have tax-free income in retirement years. So a lot, cons- a lot of what you do today is going to dictate to you what it looks like in your retirement years. Okay? So,
5: quick question on top of that. I'm behind the eight ball in retirement. So, as far as starting out, I really don't have anything right now. So, would you recommend going into the Roth route or starting a 401?
2: First thing I'd recommend, what I'd recommend is saving whether it's in your 401K uh, or Roth IRAs or a combination of both. But the first step that we have yeah. to do is really break this down and draw a line in the sand and say, here's where we are, here's where we want to get to be or get, get get to down the road. And that's going to start with right. this financial planning toolkit, okay? so okay. So yeah. that's what I'm going to send you out. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place you on a quick hold, and Bob will get your contact information. We'll send it out to you, and we'll have one of our advisors reach out to you and then uh, get you – get the ball rolling for you. After we figure out what your where you are and what your goals are, then it's easy to make the investments. Right now, we'd just be making an investment right. with no end in mind. What are we shooting for? And
5: that that's exactly how I feel. I don't know really where to start. So, this is good direction.
2: Yep, absolutely. This, this toolkit will get you started. I appreciate the phone call, Josh. Let me place you on a quick hold. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Steve on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Oop, I think we just lost him. I, th- <laughs> I don't know if I clicked the wrong button. No, I, Anyways, think, he's the wrong button.
0: I think he's here. Go ahead, Steve.
2: You with us? No, he's it's not. still Josh. Oh, it's still Josh. All right, hang on, Josh. We'll be right Let back. We put with you. you on hold, Josh. There you are. Uh, this might be Steve. Anyway, is it Steve? Are you with us? Yeah,
6: I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got yep. you.
2: Sorry about that little goof up. We got you now. Good morning, Steve. How so, are okay. you? My
6: question. I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. My question is about Social Security. I'm 63 years old. wife 62? I'm thinking about retiring next year. Uh my concerns are about social security with respect to uh what happens if one spouse retires and the other is still working and how is the social security tax? Those are my, my main two issues.
2: Okay, so here's so so let's 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 just break it down with your ages, okay? Here's how that works. Let's suppose you retire at 63. And take Social Security early. Let's just assume your normal retirement age, let's say, is 65, okay? But your wife still keeps working. Her income has nothing to do with the fact that you're taking Social Security early. If you took Social Security early before your normal retirement age, Steve, and then you went out and got a job and you made more than roughly $19,000, dollars then you would have to start paying back your Social Security. So it's based off of your income, okay, not your wife's. So you have no worries about that at all, okay? And a lot of people so do if that. I have,
6: if, I, if I take Social Security and have a job, I have to pay back, back to Social Security, all of it? Uh, well, there's,
2: there's, there's a formula for every dollar. What is it? Uh, I don't have it here in the studio, but I can give you a rough estimate here. For every dollar that you earn over – just about $20,400 or something like that in a year, and you're, uh, then you have to pay back uh, uh, $1 for every $2 that are earned. Okay? So what a lot of people actually do is they will retire early. They'll take Social Security, and then they'll work part-time or somewhere that goes right up to underneath that limit. And then that way they don't have to pay anything back, and they have a part-time job, and they double up their social security income, basically.
6: Oh, okay, okay. So there's no, uh, there's no. Oh, so, okay, so that, that that that's that's a good answer. Where I am is that I'm looking at retirement from the viewpoint of if I can retire and maintain positive cash flow, then I'm financially ready. And I'm really working toward that goal. Um, right now, I've got 40, I've already worked for 40 years, so um, my working an additional year or two or three isn't going to really affect the amount of money I get when I actually do retire. Um, for, I'm at Social Security when I do retire. Yep. Oh, oh, this is what I want to know. Well, if you if, now, I will, I will receive a pension, small pension, about thousand dollars a month. Would that go toward that nineteen thousand you just mentioned?
2: No. The only thing that goes towards that nineteen thousand is if you're earning income from a new job where you're paying FICA tax on it. And there's no FICA tax on pensions or IRA withdrawals or anything like that. So that does not count.
6: What about IRA, what about dividends from IRA?
2: Nope, there's no FICA tax on it. It's earned income.
6: That's good news. I'm glad to hear that. Finally yep. got some good yep. news.
2: Well, listen, here, just like that other caller, Steve, I want to send you our financial toolkit, and that will help break down for you where you are uh, as far as making sure. It will give you a good opportunity for an assessment of a cash flow to, to take a look at things like in taxes, inflation, and the future, too. Because remember, in a couple of years when you get on Medicare, you're also going to then have Medicare premiums, right? And you're going to have some other things that, that could pop up as well. So I'm going to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and we'll help break down a a cash flow retirement scenario for you, okay?
6: Okay, okay. Yeah, one thing that would be good for the other caller, I don't know if he's still on the line or not, um, would be to ask himself, does he right now have positive cash flow? Because if he doesn't have that, you know, he really needs to get that done first before you look at where you want to invest that money he's got, so... That's why know, I'm that's sending him out his ago. toolkit. I, I stay out of that.
2: Yep, that's exactly why I'm sending out his toolkit, to see exactly where he is, because that's what he needs to do. That will that'll afford him the opportunity to build cash reserves in the bank and at the same time buy shares of the market, the greatest market on the planet, and keep it growing toward retirement. So good, op- good yeah, okay. observation. Well,
6: I'd, like to, I'd like to take a look at what you got there, um, and uh, hopefully it
2: can help me out. Yeah. Yep, yeah, let me – I'll go ahead and place it. you on okay. a quick hold, Steve, Yep, and uh, Bob will get your information, and we'll send you out our toolkit for you, okay? Sounds
6: good. Sounds good.
2: Appreciate it. You have a great weekend. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Dial us up. Open mic Saturday, 855-ROSE-123, 855 Hey, don't forget next Wednesday, September 20th, from noon to 1 Eastern, and then again from 6 to 7 Eastern, I'm going to be having a webinar. There's no cost for the webinar, okay? In the last couple of weeks, we've, we've had families sign up for it all across the country. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. So the topics are this. We have to get the word out. I was explaining this to a client the other day. We have to get the word out to everybody because they are not the, – this new SECURE Act rule that just changed is really having an – is going to have an adverse effect on beneficiaries for IRAs, okay, we're going to be talking – the The topic is unnecessary and excessive taxes. Unnecessary taxes, what are you talking about? Yes, there are ways <laughs> to I minimize all, and avoid all of them? All of taxes them? in some places. That's correct. If you're on YouTube at LarryRosenthal.TV watching the show, you can hit, click on the Q, uh, uh, QR code right there, and it'll take <laughs> you right to the registration page. Or visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Again, go to the website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up on uh, webinars or seminar events right there, and you'll see it. We're going to be going over stepped-up basis. We're going to be going over IRA money in your trust as beneficiaries. We're going to talk about Roth conversions and wealth replacement strategies. Think about this. Your entire life savings, well, not your entire, but a good chunk of your life savings is sitting most likely in pre-tax 401K plans and some of the most tax advantage rules to passing it on to the beneficiaries have just been changed in the last couple of years. And we've been talking about this. I've done a handful of seminars on these, and we're going to be doing some back-to-back ones on all of this okay because people are confused about it we're going to break this down very easily so give us a ring today at 855-rose123 visit my website larryrosenthal.com sign up for our webinar next Wednesday September 20th from 1 from 12 to 1 p.m. eastern and from 6 to 7 p.m. eastern it's the same material it's the same both classes are live You can take them both. You'll have the opportunity to ask questions during those webinars as well. We're going to take a quick break here, but give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense.
4: the cdfi.org your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community go to the cdfi.org make a difference go to the cdfi.org Five seven six seven three one two three eight five five, 5 Rose
0: 123 to exactly. talk to Larry Rosenthal who is live here in studio with us. Larry? Sure,
2: let's bring Reggie on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Reggie. How are you?
7: Hey, good morning. I'm fine. How are you?
2: I'm well. How can I help you?
7: Um, so Larry, I have a condo that I'm planning to sell. My real estate agent did an estimate for me. It's, it's new construction, so it's supposed to be ready around April. I don't know if there were any tax implications selling it this year, but not buying the next one until next spring. If so, is
2: this condo your primary residence, and you've lived in it two of the last five years? Yeah. So you have no tax issues if you're going to net a gain of eighty thousand. Okay, a single, okay. you can net up. Two hundred and fifty, and married, finally jointly, up to five hundred. Anything over those numbers, you have to pay tax on. So, whether you sold it this year or next calendar year, doesn't matter from a tax perspective. Reggie, the second thing is, you know, um, selling it today. I have to ask, are you happy with your net of eighty thousand, or do you want to take a risk on the real estate values going down by waiting, or even going up by waiting? That's what that's the role of the dice that you're playing, but if you yeah. sell it now, then you said your new home's not going to be ready yet. So, are you would you look to sell it with an opportunity to rent back from the new buyer so that they wouldn't move in right away, or would you do two moves? You'd move from your condo. I would do yeah, I'm
7: sorry. I would do two. I'm gonna move in with uh, family.
2: Well, then, from that standpoint, if you don't mind doing two moves, then we have to come down to some basics. A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush, right? Will um. the 80000 that you net, will that help propel you to where you need to be with the next place? Or do you want to roll the dice a little bit? What happens if the value of the condo goes up by 5% or down by 5% when you go to sell it next year? Is that going to materially change your life? in getting into the new place
7: well if it goes down i'm happy with the net at 80 that does give me what i need um if it goes up of course that'd be great but if it goes down and i net less than 80 um that i can't i can't do the move comfortably i can't then i would do it now
2: i would do it Mm -hmm. now reggie without a doubt okay okay yep now now when you when Have you already put contract down on the new house?
7: I did, yes, but I okay, do have so thi- a 10-more-day so thi- window to change my
2: mind. Well, think about it like this also. If the property values go up, if you sell your property today and then the property values go up, you, that means probably, not guaranteed, but most likely the property value in your new place is going to go up as well. So you're buying it lower, and it's going up. But if you wait, and then you sell it, and the property value goes down, it'll go down on the other side also, but it's going to hurt your economics. So I would sell it now based off of what you're saying.
7: Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. That was definitely helpful. Oh, and then one more question. Now, I'm netting about 80 Uh, Originally, I was thinking to put like almost all of it down on the new one. I don't have to, but I was then I started thinking that maybe I should not use all of that. Maybe invest some of it, or you know, put down half and use the other half for rainy day.
2: Yeah, now what you're talking about is what we call a strategy of call. It's called a a, an equity endowment strategy, where you have dollars Mm -hmm. that could go into the house. But you choose to keep that part of the equity outside of the house, put it on deposit, maybe with some T-bills, you know, uh, which is a great rate these days, getting compound interest on it. You can always pull the money out and then put it back down on the house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then that way you do have liquidity. So, so there's nine strategies involved in that conversation, and I'll I'll be happy to send you out that info and go over it with you if you'd like. Okay, we just don't yeah, have time to cover great. it all on the radio show right now, but I can, I can get that information, information out to
7: you. That would be great, yes. Yeah, thank you.
2: All right, well, congratulations. Let me go ahead and put you on a quick hold. Bob will get your contact information, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week about the equity endowment plan. Appreciate the phone call, Reggie. If you're listening to Making Money Sense, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's bring Chuck on from Oklahoma. Good morning, Chuck. How are you today?
3: Hey, pretty good. How are you doing this morning?
2: I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir?
3: Uh, specifically, I'm talking about uh, 401k investment. Uh, I'm currently uh, putting about 24 percent of my uh, income into my uh, 401k. But the but the problem is is that the uh, people that manage the uh, 401 is uh, they of the values that uh, I have uh, specifically it's a company called Blackrock and uh, so there and uh, you know this money that I'm putting into this thing is being used for all types of uh, investments you know that uh, I don't agree with so my question is is how can I continue to uh, build a 401K, you know, this is specifically through my employer, uh, without going through a company called BlackRock?
2: Well, it depends, Chuck. It, it all depends on your your employer's plan administrator on their lineup of funds. And if all they have are the the ESG-type funds that you're talking about, then I would ask them for a a, a a wider breadth of lineup inside the funds, okay, I, inside the platform of the 401k. You can also ask them for a brokerage link. Some 401k plans allow for a brokerage link to occur, which means you can keep the money within the 401k, but go out into the marketplace and buy most things that 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 are available. If they have a brokerage link, if you have a you know. Large companies, some of them have that opportunity, even small companies. It just depends on the plan of ministry if they want to set that up or not. but from the standpoint of not like not aligning with some of the values of those funds, it's purely the menu of choice now, does your employer match Yes, so you need yeah, to put mat-
3: they match six percent.
2: Yeah, so you need to put in at least what they match, and, um, you know, it's, it is it, it is a tough thing because your menu of choices, from what you're telling me anyway, is limited. And so that would be the first step, is to ask them to expand the offerings inside the 401k plan, okay, to some of the non-ESG programs that are available out there. and And, and the companies have both. They have ESG and non-ESG. So, so you know, I don't know why they wouldn't put it in there. I, I really don't. Um, but that—that's—that's that's the answer to your question. If you're if you're thinking about not putting money in the four hundred one k, I would still tell you to to consider putting in at least six percent because that's a hundred percent interest on your money. Now, right. are you putting money in on the pre-tax side or the post-tax Roth side?
3: No, it's all pre-tax.
2: So if your income is too large, you're not eligible to put in 6% and then put a deductible IRA contribution outside in anything that you want to invest in. So if you if you reach those income limits, then then you're just going to you're your only choice is going to be on the 401k side of things, Chuck. It really is. Oh, okay.
3: Okay. So so I'm kind of stuck there.
2: If you want to continue to put money on a pre tax, there it depends on what your income limits are. Um, you know, are you married? Yes, so married filing jointly. Um, you know, I don't want to get personal on the air here in case you have people listing or whatever, but there's a certain amount of income if you're participating in a 401k plan and your income exceeds a certain amount per year married filing jointly, then you're not eligible to make a deductible contribution to an IRA. And that's an argument to keep continuing inside the pre-tax 401K. But the answer to your question is go talk to your plan administrator and say, hey, listen, you know, it, it's it's not really fair. I think you should open up the menu of choices. It's no skin off their back if they open up more more investment choices whatsoever. It, 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 it right. It, it, it's just – It's basically they'll probably say, you know what, we we can do that, and we can do that next quarter. Just wait a little bit, and we can do that. And then you have a whole different lineup, okay?
3: Okay, uh, i got one other question regarding that 401. Uh, The choices that we have to invest in, uh, I've currently – because I'm really conservative when it comes to – because I'm 68 years old right now, and – I've uh, put it into uh, you know uh, half of it in the market, fifty percent of it in the market, and fifty percent of it in uh, in bond funds, uh, because you know I figured the bond funds are probably the uh, least risky, riskiest uh, option that I can go with right now. I mean, because the market is so volatile. I mean, it, right now it's it's hovering about you know. Uh, little over one percent, you know, in the uh, in the, in the black. As far as you know, bring being uh, earning earning some uh, you know some interest.
2: Well, then you have to really take a look at your lineup of your bond funds. Okay, there there's uh, bonds go up and down based off of interest rates, credit quality of the bond, and supply and demand for that bond. Bonds move on those three metrics right there. And in our portfolios, we have bond funds that are earning about 3%-ish yield, and we have some that are up in the 8 and 9s. And there's a, there's, there's a big disconnect in the bond market right now because of what's happened with interest rates over the last 16 months. And we've got three slices of bonds in our portfolios. We have some duration bonds. We have some some floating rate bonds, and we also have some treasury bills. And those combinations are getting a very nice yield for, for people. So I would say now and you're, you're talking about taking a look at all of your opportunities in your retirement plan and seeing which bonds are best for you. So the only way I can really answer that question is to take a look at the lineup that you have and maybe give you some ideas on allocation of those, of those uh, funds that are inside there. If you like, Chuck, I'll, I'll put you on a quick hold, and Bob will get your information, and we'll have somebody reach out to you, and then we can take a look at what your lineup is and, and maybe get some of that fixed. You know, when the Fed stops raising rates, bond market, the bond market is going to change a little bit, and you want to make sure that you're in the right place going forward for that, right? At some point, and the word is, you know, the whisper word on the street, maybe sometime in 2024, the Fed starts to lower interest rates, and that's going to change the bond market yet again. So there's a lot of of uh, movement that's happening in the bond world these days. So we have to take a look at your lineup of choices in there. You're still in that more conservative pool, but but there's direct impact on the economics of bond returns when it comes to the movement of interest rates. Okay. Yep. I'll put you on a quick hold here, Chuck, and Bob will pick you up in just a second. If you listen to Making Money Sense, dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's bring Rita on from Maryland. Good morning, Rita. How are you today?
8: Good morning. How are you doing?
2: I'm well. How can I help you?
8: Great. Uh, First, I want to thank you for what you do. It's a great blessing.
2: Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that.
8: I have a couple of things. I keep hearing that I need to buy um, AI um, stocks or digital currency stocks as well as maybe buying precious metals, um gold, silver or whatever, platinum or whatever. Um and I I I think that's a good thing to do. I bought precious metals before, but I wanted to use my money market account to take money out of that to buy these either um these stocks, um digital currency stocks or precious metals. Should I be using my money market account to do that, or is there a good thing to buy um, these digital currency stocks? Because apparently the dollar is going to be going away or something. I don't know.
2: Rita, there's a lot to talk about in that conversation, okay?
8: Oh, I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Nope, that's fine. Let's let's just try and uh, we've got other callers on the line. I'm just going to tell everybody, hold on. I'll get to you in just a moment, okay? I appreciate you waiting, but let me just break this down really fast for you. Should you buy something with money that's from the money market account, okay, whether it's digital this or AI that or whatever it is? Your question is, should I buy something from the money that's in my money market account? Every investment out there, every investment vehicle has a purpose, and the purpose of money in a money market account is like a bank cash or cash-equivalent product. Money in, money out, no risk of loss. It's liquid. It's liquid. Okay, so if you pull money out of your money market account to put it into another, whatever XYZ other that may be, now we're incurring more risk. Okay, do you have enough money left in the bank products like money markets, savings accounts, things like that, that if an emergency pops up with your dishwasher or your car, that you don't have to liquidate another investment? So I want to make sure that you keep a certain amount of money, you know, three to six months' worth of living expenses saved up in the bank so that you, you have that backdrop in case something happens. That's the first thing, okay? So we have to take a look at how much money is in the money market account and how much you need there for a rainy day fund. Secondly, now you're talking about different asset classes. You're talking about digital currency. You're talking about precious metals. You're talking about uh, artificial intelligence stocks, A.I., Well, AI, tech, technology, tech companies. So let's take a look and ask the basic question, are we done creating technology? Are we done sending and receiving information? Are we going to continue to develop how information is sent around the world? My answer to that is yes. We're going to continue to develop it, right? So now we're going to move into the technology world. Well, which AI stocks are going to win? Nobody knows, okay? Okay. So I would suggest that you take a look at what we would call an ETF or a mutual fund or a package product in that space. But let's first, before we just start moving money from the money market account to to going in there blindly, let's take a look at what we're trying to accomplish. How long do we need to invest this money before you need to turn it into income for your own retirement years? Or do you want this money to be passed on to your heirs? Something of that nature, right? Uh, as far as precious metals, yes, they're an asset class, and there's time to own them and time not to own them. And there's the proper ways to own them and the improper ways to own them as well. Uh, as far as the dollar crashing and becoming worth less or worth less, the dollar goes up and down based off of the demand for your currency and the, and the scarcity of your currency. When the, when the Fed raises interest rates up, it strengthens your dollar. So companies that are are um, uh, ex- that are that are importing goods love a strong dollar because they can go out into the foreign markets and buy things for 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 less 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 money. When interest rates drop, the dollar goes down in value, and now companies that are exporting goods around the world love it because foreign money can buy more of our goods so the dollar goes up and down and it's always going to go up and down okay i don't see it going away could it become digitized one day possibly you know we've been using digital currency for years checkbooks credit cards you know uh, frequent flyer miles discounts at grocery stores all that kind of stuff So that's how i would that's how i would approach it i i like i like the different asset classes you're talking about but I don't want you to just listen to some news media outlets that say go do this, go do that. You need to have a plan. You need to have an understanding of where you are now and where you want to get to be. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, I'll send you out just like, you know, today must be the the financial toolkit day, which is perfectly fine. <laughs> we've got a we've got a toolkit that I'm going to send you out, Rita. And it's going to get you started on the proper road of all of this stuff. We'll give you the education that you need and get that plan going for you, okay?
8: I have one more question for you. So this scare tactic about um, President Biden has already scheduled some sort of document that's going to change how our dollar um, stands in the market um, with us going digital that your money eventually will not mean anything. So
2: that's just a I can't pack. imagine that our money would not mean anything. There could come a day, you know, and, and, and this is just everybody de- has a different opinion on this. There could come a day when the government says we're going to digitize our currency, take all your dollars and your coins down to the bank and hand them in and we'll give you digits in your ch- excuse me, in your checking account. But that doesn't mean that those digits are worthless, right? Your ATM card for- Okay. Yeah. Your ATM is nothing but digits. That, that's it. There's no, ca- you know, you, you have to turn things into cash. There there are there are businesses now that aren't taking cash. It's only digital now. Right. So, you know, what does this look like? What, what does this mean? You know, let's let's just sit back for a second and really take a good understanding of this. Psalm 24 one says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything in it. Right the world and all its people belong to him okay that's true That's so that's so true. let's take an eternal perspective of all of this right you know if if we're if we are so anxious and so worried and and people are saying buy this buy that to protect here protect there yeah we need to be good stewards what's our role we need to be good stewards with our assets right but 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 we at the same time we have to be using our assets with an eternal eye, with an eternal slant, with an eternal perspective on them, you know? And and it's the Lord. So our our responsibility, let's get educated, let's find out where we are and, and what's going on and take a look at the best products to use for down the road for the Lord's kingdom, right? You know, True. it's 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 God's money, how much of it should we keep, not how much of our money should we give to God, right? We have to reverse that conversation. So, so I don't get too worried about that down the road, you know, because we're all in the same boat together, right? That's and, very
8: comforting. Thank you.
2: Yep, yep. Let's do that. So, Rita, let me let me go ahead and and I'll put you on hold. Bob will get your info, and then we'll have somebody reach out to you next week, and we'll talk to you about the different asset classes that you spoke about and what to do with that money market account. Okay. Pre- Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855 Rose 123. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome Gerald on the line from Louisiana. Thanks for holding, Gerald. But before we, we, we talk real quick, I want to just remind everybody hey, go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and click on the webinar seminar button up there in the top right hand corner. We're going to be having a webinar coming up this next Wednesday. We're going to be going over how to minimize unnecessary taxes. When it comes to investing strategies, estate planning, and things like that, two times, 12 to noon Eastern and 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Both classes are live, and they are free. There's no cost for that. Those of you that are watching on LarryRosenthal.TV on YouTube, you can click the QR code and register right there. Gerald, how are you today, sir, down in Louisiana? How can I help you?
9: All right. How are you today? I'm well. Um, I have a retirement account. And last year when the part of the formula that the government put in for interest rate cost me about two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars. Is that gonna ever come back or is that just gone?
2: Yes, sir. You have a what you have for those that are listening, you have what's called a cash balance plan where you can either take a payment out of it one day or a lump sum cash value and as interest rates go up, that cash value goes down. So over the last fifteen, sixteen months, you've seen interest rates go from basically zero to five and a half percent on the Fed funds rate, and that has been bringing down the principal value of your cash balance. Your question is, will that reverse? Yes, it will. But the question is, when? You need to have interest rates start to go down. The Fed has clearly when, when said. That? Go ahead.
9: That was what I. That was what my question is. How long do I, you think I'll have to wait?
2: Well, the Fed has said basically that they're going to keep rates higher for longer at this point, or that's that's what the indication is. Now, the Fed has said they're going to keep rates at a restrictive level for a while. They want to bring inflation down. It's at 3.7. They want to get it down into the twos now, okay? So they're going to keep rates higher for a while. So I would, in my own estimation, I don't see interest rates dropping uh, until maybe the second half of 2024, okay? Um, unless the interest rates that they've – every time they raise an interest rate, it takes, you know, nine or ten months or so for that rate to really impact the economy. And they've got a whole bunch of rates that they've they've raised that haven't really impacted the economy, and we're seeing that impact starting to take shape now. So uh, at the earliest, it's going to be, you know, spring at the – 2024, but most likely the second half of 2024 if they do raise is is what I would say. Okay. Well,
9: I'm, I'm going, I've got to go to 66 and eight months to get my full Social Security and so I'd plan to do that, which would put me in April of 25. Um,
2: you got a chance then, yep.
9: But, okay, I've got a chance to get at least some of it back.
2: Yes, yes. And then also, you know, here's the thing too, in your cash balance plan, you can also look at that in a pension. And and, and th- without getting into the weeds here, the reason your principal values drop so much is because wh- if you were to claim a pension instead of a lump sum on that, then your your payment is based off that interest rate. So the present value of the income stream is gonna be is gonna reflect that interest rate for you. Um so i can show you how that works l- 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 i can I, let me uh, if you want i'll show you how that ba- pension works for you and then we, we what we need to do is run out a cash flow analysis and basically show you well look if rates don't drop by the time you retire in 2025 what does your pension income look like right and what does the lump sum estimate look like because at that point gerald it's about your income for you and your family going forward into retirement years, right? You still there, Gerald?
9: The pension, yes, sir.
2: Yeah.
6: The thing
9: that I look at is is if something happens to me, the pension, I leave my family when I
2: Gerald, you're breaking up a little bit. On your pension, you can do a survivor benefit, but not necessarily to your heirs, and that's the downside of the pension selection. That's where you would swing back the other way and say, let's take the lump sum. But let's run out of cash flow for you and see some estimates here to see where that interest rate needs to move to. You know, Just because you retire doesn't necessarily mean you have to select it either. Uh, in a cash balance plan, you can leave it there for a while. But at the same time, you may need that income. Some plans like that allow you to take a partial lump sum and a partial pension as well. I don't know if your plan allows that, but some plans allow that, okay? Um, Some plans allow for what's called a pop-up provision, where if your spouse who has survivor benefits predeceases you in the first five years, you can pop back up to your benefit the higher income amount. So there's a lot of conversation to circle around there. I'll put you on a quick hold Bob will grab your 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 contact information. We'll have somebody get all this pension information out to you, okay? Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. It's open, Mike, Saturday. Let's welcome Steve on the line from Tennessee. Good morning, Steve. Steve, are you there?
0: Well, it doesn't look like he's
4: around. Maybe he
2: went to the volunteer game early. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hello, Steve. Call us back, Steve, if you're there. I'll place them on hold there, Bob. Okay. Uh, so, um, Hey, you know, I, I did want to talk about a handful of things today, but I love the phone calls. Keep them coming, 855-ROSE-123. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment. Because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years.
4: One two three, Larry.
2: One thing I wanted to discuss today, Chris, was opportunity cost, um, and I wanted to talk about stepped-up basis. So let's talk about stepped-up basis first because we're going to be discussing this in the webinar coming up next week. And this, this came up this, this past week with some clients. Um, you know, a lot of times it centers around investment accounts and real estate, for that matter. You know, you receive a stepped-up basis in an investment asset when you have a means, a legal means to transfer that, that asset to someone else. If you have an investment account, let's suppose you open up an investment account, and we're going to make this very simple, in your name only, okay? And, and well, let's say it's you and your spouse, and, and you put two hundred thousand dollars in it, and now it's worth five hundred thousand dollars okay and your your spouse passes you now have five hundred thousand dollars. If you go to sell it, you still got to pay tax on that three hundred thousand dollars of gain, but now you've got the five hundred thousand dollars, and you're sitting there and you say, "Well, wow, if something happens to me, you know I want to make sure my kids get this money so you you add your child or children to the account as a co-owner, and you're trying to do the right thing saying, listen, if something happens to me, I can't make decisions, at least, you know, you can act on this money. And then if you pass, now your heir gets that $500,000, right, because they're a joint owner on that account, and they go to sell it. They, too, now have to pay taxes on that $300,000 of gain. And the reason why is because you added them to the account as a joint owner. If you would have made that account, if you would have made your child, in this example, a beneficiary through various means I'll discuss in a moment, but a beneficiary of that account, then they would receive that $500,000, and they could sell it, and they get what's called a stepped-up basis where they they don't have to pay any tax on that $300,000. These are the these are one of the things that we're going to be going over in the webinar coming up next Wednesday. Again, visit my website LarryRosenthal.com. check it out, sign up for the webinar September 7th, 7, September 17th, no, September 20th from noon to 1 eastern and from 6 to 7 p.m. eastern next as week. Well. Yep, next week. There's no cost for the webinar it's called unnecessary t- and excessive taxes how to minimize some of these things and you, that's the same thing with real estate let's suppose you bought that house for $200,000 now it's worth 500 you add your child to it you pass the child has the house they want to sell it taxes yeah. but if you take that house or that investment account now i'm talking about a non ira investment account non qualified money it, and you 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 put it into a trust or you make it a beneficiary form through the through the process of TOD which is transfer on death okay transfer on death form is free it's just a change in registration there's 12 different ways to title investments 12 different ways to title I should say assets that we own and that depends how you however you title them it's going to depend That that will dictate – not depend – that will dictate the taxation while you own it and when you get rid of it. And you either get rid of it by giving it away, by selling it, or by passing away, right? Those are three ways you get rid of things, okay? So, So the importance here is to understand how to minimize the tax effect on a lot of these assets. Well, now you say, well, wait a second, Larry. If, if, if I have my house or my investment account in my name only and my child is a beneficiary of it, they get the stepped-up basis and taxes. But what happens if I can't act on it and they need to act for me? Now we get a power of attorney. Okay, so these are the things we'll be going over in the webinar. Don't forget, check it out, LarryRosenthal.com sign up for the seminars there it's next wednesday from noon to one eastern and from six to seven eastern it's free there's no cost for this we want to continue to deliver this education the secure act two which came out has really hampered beneficiaries when they receive assets and we need to explain these things to people so uh during the week you can reach us at 855 rose one two three i'll stay online i see some more callers are calling in i'll stay on at larry tv on youtube And for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense.